you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Although there is a sense of excitement and maybe even some sadness, for others, it's a different feeling. There is a sense of maybe the unknown. Uh, what, is this gonna, what is all this going to mean? And, you know, change is probably the most difficult area to trust God. <laughs> but, you know, without risk, there's no faith. You know, there's, there's got to be an element of stepping out into the unknown in order to, for there to be real faith. You know, nobody trusts God for things they can already see. Nobody trusts God for something they've already accomplished. Faith is about the conviction of things hoped for. Yes, you know, looking for things, imagining things that are not yet seen come to reality. That's really what faith is. You know, there was a sociology professor once who wanted to understand this whole thing about trust. And he did a little bit of research, and he decided that uh, he would get together with uh, a team of actors from a circus. And he wanted to observe them for a week. And so he approached them and explained his research and asked if he could actually live with them and observe them for a week just to see how they do life and how they work together. And so at the end of the week, he uh, was very thankful for the opportunity. And he said, you guys have really taught me a lot about trust. He said, uh, you're so much like family. I've learned so much from you. And uh, just really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Thank you very much. And as he turned to walk out, one of the actors of the team in the circus said, hey, prof, wait, don't go yet. He said, you know, if you really want to learn something about trust, we have something for you. And he said, oh, really? What's that? He said, what I'd like you to do is climb the ladder all the way to the top of the trapeze, swing out over the net. I will catch you and bring you safely to the other side. And he said, <laughs> he said you're crazy. I said, I can't do that. He goes, no, you can't. I mean, you'll never know unless you try, right? I mean, you've got to try, prof. Come on, just try once. It's all part, it's your research. You know, and with much hesitation, but more persuasion, eventually he found himself climbing the ladder all the way up to the top. And you know, when you get up there, it's always higher at the top. It looks higher. I mean, by the time he looked down, the net was like the size of a postage stamp. And he was like, I can't do it. They go, you can do it, prof. So after taking a minute to get up some courage, he found himself swinging out over the net. And in that moment, he learned two lessons. Number one, before you can grab hold of the new, you have to let go of the old. And number two, you don't have forever to decide. <laughs> you don't have forever to decide. You know, when we're in the transitions of life, there is somebody that you can trust to help you get to the other side. He's the strong man with strong hands, and you can put yourself in his grip and he will take you safely to the other side. Faith grows when you follow him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I thank you for the privilege, Father, of worshiping you. And thank you for this gift of life that you've given us. And Lord, it's been so rich over the years because of your goodness, because of your richness. And Lord, it's just a token of things yet to come. And so God, with faith, we look forward to what you will do. God, would you strengthen our faith? Teach us what it means to trust. Lord, 
to trust you so well that we get to a place of rest. Lord, to truly be able to rest in your love and your care. Would you accomplish that by your spirit? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. About a month ago, Nita said it's not just a physical move. She said it's a spiritual move. And she alluded to that again this morning. And I want to talk to you about how you can be involved in a spiritual move. Now, this is not the only one. There are many spiritual moves that happen all the time. Anytime God is at work in somebody's heart or he's at work in circumstances of the world around us, there's a spiritual move that's taking place. And I want to talk about how we can be a part of that. We don't want to miss it. I've entitled this message, Joining Jesus. And when you want to be involved in a spiritual move, there are two principles found here in John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Now, sometimes scripture is pretty simple. You don't need deep theological training, and you don't have to do word studies in the Greek to understand that if you want to be a part of what God is doing, we simply need to listen, and then we need to follow. Now, it's interesting in this passage that Jesus didn't say, My sheep hear my voice but my sheep listen to my voice. And it's different when you ask somebody, did you hear me, versus did you listen to me? There is, there is a difference. And so we need to be listening, and that implies that we are also following. And Jesus, as always, is our example. We can go to the next verse, or the next slide. In John 5, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Now, why is this important to join Jesus and to follow his model where he watched to see what the Father was doing and then joined him in that? You know, I meet a lot of people in the counseling sessions who have lived a long life and there has been a lot of effort and a lot of time but they've put in so many years and toward the end they're wondering wow what is what is this all amounting to am i making a difference and you know when we are trusting in our own effort we're limited we can only be in one place at a time we only know so many things we need to sleep every night and and we're not going to live forever but when we're trusting in a different source with God as the one that we're being a part of what he's doing, he's not limited. And when your activity is involved in something that God is doing, I mean, there's, there's a power source and there's an activity that he's doing, preparing people's hearts and preparing behind the scenes that we could never accomplish on our own. And so we really want our lives to count. We don't want, you know, 100 years from now for it just to simply be over. But if you want your life to count for something greater than yourself, then I want to encourage you to invest in the things that are of eternal value. And that is God, God's word, and the souls of men and women. And so we want to find out how can we join Jesus. We simply need to do two things. We need to listen, and we need to follow. You know, years ago, I went to visit my mom in San Diego. And um, I went outside to go get some exercise. I borrowed my sister's bike, and I'm riding through the neighborhood. And very nice neighborhood. And 
uh, I saw this kid playing on a skateboard. And he had all the paraphernalia. He had the elbow pads and the knee pads and the helmet. And he had the metal bar about a foot off the ground, about 10 feet long. And playing on his skateboard out in front of his house. And as I was riding, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to talk to that kid. And he's probably 10 or 12 years old. And my first thought was, I don't know. How am I going to relate to a 10 or 12-year-old kid? What am I going to say to him? You know, just a complete stranger to walk up to him. And, and, uh, and, and so I was basically arguing with the Lord and kind of saying no. And in that moment, he reminded me, I used to ride skateboards. And I thought, oh, yeah. So I turned around on the bike and I went up to him and I said, hey, you want to see a neat skateboard trick? And so when I was younger, I got pretty good at it. I got to the point where I could ride the skateboard on my hands. And the interesting thing about riding the skateboard on your hands, it's like riding a bike. You never forget. And so I showed him the skateboard trick, and then I gave him a few tips of what to do, what not to do, and, and then I left. And as I was riding the way, as I was leaving, the Lord said, what was that? <laughs> so you taught him how to ride the skateboard on his hands. So what? I'm like, I, I, I don't know how to, you know, bridge the, the gap there and talk to him about, about you. And I tell you, no sooner had I said that, the Lord downloaded an idea. I turned around on my bike. I went back up to him. I said, hey, do you know where your sense of balance is found? He said, yeah, it's in the inner ear. I said, that's right. I said, did you know that you have another inner ear? I said, if you will listen with the inner ear inside to God's word, he will give you a sense of balance where you can navigate life even when everything else seems upside down. You know what he said? He said, are you a pastor? (laughs) Let me encourage you that even if you don't think you have something to offer young people, there are experiences that God could use if he wanted to, if he set it up. Don't, Don't limit what God can do through you to make a difference in the lives of younger people. And I just want to emphasize and highlight that point very strongly. In, during World War II, uh, Guam, as you know, was uh, occupied by the Japanese. And in June of 1944, American forces came back to Guam and Saipan and uh, formed a beachhead and got established and set themselves in the very first night. On Saipan, when the Marines woke up the very next morning, they were shocked. They looked out at the ocean, and all of their naval ships were gone. They were left alone. And now it became a mission of do or die. And the reason their ships had left is because they found out that Japan was sending its fleet down to the Marianas to reinforce her soldiers. And so the American fleet went out and met them in mid-ocean. They both sent up their fighters, and it was a disaster for Japan. For every one airplane that the Americans lost, Japan lost 12. It was, that, that dogfight was nicknamed the Great Turkey Shoot. Later it was, dis- why am I telling you this? Later it was discovered that Japan was in the habit of leaving their senior soldiers and their veterans on the field. And so the new recruits who were back home getting trained didn't have the wisdom and the experience of the older soldiers. And so these younger guys were the ones being trained without the experience of the older ones. And when they got in the fight, it was a disaster for them. The point is this. You who are older here in this room, you have experience and you have a maturity that younger people need. 
you know what it means to be filled with the Spirit. You know how to battle in the Spirit. You know how to have victory over the world and over sin and over the enemy. And you have something very valuable that needs to be passed on to the younger generation so that they can win their battles. Amen? You all have something to offer younger people. I know that's relative. You know, when I was, when I was 30... Younger people were like teenagers. <laughs> it's a different story now. But whatever younger is to you, don't put a limit on God in what he can do, how he can work through you. I shared that example as, as an example of just listening to the Spirit of God. And sometimes even through hesitation and fear, eventually following him and being a part of what it is that, that he's doing. I want to encourage you to not underestimate what God is doing when he's at work through you. You never know what small steps of obedience are going to lead to. I had no idea what God was doing when he told me to talk to that kid. Years later, I was back on Guam. And just a little history for those of you who might be new to Guam. uh, One of our governors uh, committed suicide, Governor Berdalio. And um, it's okay to share this. His wife has shared this in public Um, and you'll see as I tell the story. But as a result of his death, she went into a depression uh, for almost 10 years. And at one point, at the end of that 10-year period, she read the Washington Post, which said that Guam had the highest suicide rate in the nation. And she felt like she needed to do something about that because of her experience. And so she decided to go on an anti-suicide campaign to all the schools on Guam. And I heard about it, and I had an idea. I used to have access to a book called The Book of Hope. It's a synthesized harmony of the Gospels in a magazine format with a cover on it that's attractive to young people. It's got local people on the cover and everything. And I had access to tens of thousands of these. And so I went to her and I said, you know, um, just on behalf of the church, now, I want to apologize that uh, we haven't done more to support you in what you're doing. But I have something that I think you would be able to use. And I showed it to her. She said, okay, well, let me think about it. The next day, her administrative assistant called me back. And uh, she said, uh, she likes your idea, uh, but we need somebody to present it. Would you be willing to do so? And I was like, oh, let me think about it now for a day. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, uh, uh, uh. Uh, a big assembly in, in a high school or a middle school. I mean, you got about 30 seconds to get their attention or you're toast. What am I going to do? And then he said the skateboard thing. And so that's how I introduced it. I'd come out on the skateboard on my hands and I'd tell them the little analogy about the inner ear and hearing the word of God and that if you'll listen, he'll help you navigate life even when everything else seems upside down and we have it for free. It's for you. Man, those things went out like hotcakes kids, because skateboard was the end thing, they were having me autograph their books of hope. <laughs> on the bottom, they, and for them, the, the big thing is the design on the bottom of the skateboard. Well, what kind of skateboard you got? I go, I don't know. <laughs> but they take a look at it, and I had this verse, a scripture on the bottom of it, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In this life I live in the body, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And there'd be crowds of people, and they'd be looking at my skateboard, and they're just like puzzled looking at the skateboard. But the point is this. You never know what small steps of obedience God is going to use to something else that he has in mind. 
If you will just follow him, you have no idea what God will do. We need to hear God's voice, and we need to follow him. I want to caution us against one thing, and that is don't assume that God is in your plans. You really need to hear from the Lord first. Henry Blackaby, in his series, Experiencing God, says we can take God's presence for granted. We can assume that because Jesus said he would be with us always, that he will also follow us wherever we go. Jesus does not follow us. We are to follow him. You do not invite God to join you in your activity. He invites you to become involved in his activity. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Following Jesus requires absolute obedience. He doesn't seek our counsel about which direction we think is suitable. Following Jesus will lead you into experiences you never dreamed of. You will be with Jesus as he weeps over those trapped in sin. You will feel the pain Jesus feels. You will see those who were spiritually blind experience the joy of coming to see God for the very first time. You will see lives that were broken made whole. You'll see marriages restored. You'll see those in bondage released and those who mourn comforted. At times, it won't be easy to follow Jesus. Sometimes you will be tempted to abandon him. Following Jesus can mean going through a storm or standing on a mountaintop. You may have stopped following Jesus, but now you want to follow him again. When you stopped following Jesus, you did so on your own terms. But returning to Jesus is strictly under his conditions. He is God, or not. Are you willing to join Jesus anywhere, at any time, under any condition? That's the only way you can join him. We need to do two things in order to join Jesus. We need to listen, and we need to follow him. Obedience is the key to joining Jesus. I have this thing with me and God. I don't know why, but he often speaks to me when I'm working in my yard. And I was in my backyard mowing my lawn, and he impressed me with that verse, 1 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. And you know, that verse puzzled me. I was having this conversation with God. I said, God, you're talking about us, we, your people who are called by your name. I mean, we're the ones who come and worship you every Sunday. We read the Bible. We study the Bible. We're trying to minister to people. And turn from our wicked ways? What wicked ways are you talking about, Lord? And he said to me, disobedience. I tell you, I just stood there in my backyard. I said, God, forgive us for the times he has spoken to us and he's been leading us. And we ignored it or we were scared or we just said it's inconvenient. I don't want to adjust my schedule. It's not in my plan today. I said, God, forgive us for disobedience. There is a positive story of obedience. 
It's in Acts chapter 8. Many of you know the story. Um, you remember Philip? Uh, the Spirit, we're talking about hearing God, listening. The Spirit told Philip, I want you to go on the road that goes south from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he headed on his way. And as he was going, he saw a chariot. And the Lord said, I want you to walk up next to that chariot. And inside the chariot was a eunuch who was um, like the treasurer for the queen of Candace and a very high official in her government. And um, he was reading Isaiah. And he was reading that portion in scripture where it talks about Jesus being crucified for our sins. And it was at that moment that Philip walked up to him and started walking beside the chariot and overheard him reading the scripture. And Philip said, do you know what you're reading? And he says, well, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? And so then the eunuch said, why don't you get up in the chariot and, and let's talk? I mean, back in those days, that was like, just imagine the most expensive car or maybe an airplane that you can imagine. And the Lord says, I want you to go up next to that. And you notice that the driver is reading the Bible and you peek in and you say, hey, I see you reading the Bible. What do you think? And they're like, well, I don't know. I got some questions. Do you, do you know the Bible? Maybe you could explain this to me. I mean, this was such an open door. God had already prepared the way. And because God had already prepared his heart, he was open to accepting Christ. And even when he saw water, he said, let's stop the chariot. And he wanted to be baptized. He said, what stops me from doing that now? The reason I share that story is because you read closely. It says, when the Spirit told Philip, go up next to that chariot, chariot, it didn't say that he wondered if maybe, God, is that really you? Or, you know, I don't know, I'm tired. It says Philip ran. Philip ran to be a part of what God was doing. And I want to encourage us to do that. When The next time you sense God is inviting you to be a part of what he's doing, to run to what God is doing. God can use you to reach people of different age groups. When you join Jesus, God can use you to reach people of different socioeconomic groups like he did with Philip. Uh, reaching out to a high government official. When you join Jesus, God can use you to reach people of different religions. You know, Terry grew up as a Catholic. I grew up as nothing. Uh, On Sundays, we used to go to the beach and have a barbecue. But she grew up Catholic, and when she received Christ and she started going to a different church, of course, her parents, they were very devoted Catholics. They were hurt. And they called her in and they sat her down and they said, what is this that you're doing? And in a very honoring way, she said, Mom and Dad, this is in no way disrespecting you. I appreciate everything that you've given me. And she said, she didn't say this part, but I just want to add it in there. You know, of course the Catholic Church is different when it comes to the method of salvation. They think it's salvation by works. We understand the Bible says it's by grace, God's unmerited favor. It's a free gift that none of us can earn, and we have to receive it by faith. And, of course, that makes all the difference in the world. But there are some things that are beneficial. I mean, she did grow up learning that the Bible is the word of God. She grew up learning that Jesus is the son of God. And she grew up learning the fear of God. I tell you, that's a whole lot easier than working with somebody who never heard the name Jesus. And she said, Mom and Dad, it's in no way a disrespect, but I feel like what I'm doing now, 
God is using this to build my relationship with him, and I'm moving forward. You know, as a result of the way she handled that and she honored her parents, it left the door open. Years later, they would end up coming to our church. They would end up seeking counsel for advice when it came to family problems. They would ask her to pray. They would ask her to intercede, and they recognized what God was doing in her, and they wanted some of that, even if indirectly through her. God can use you to reach people of different religions. God can also use you to reach people of different ethnic groups. Remember the story of Jonah? Jonah was prejudiced. Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. And so when the Lord told him, go to Nineveh and give them a word of warning, he said no. He went the other direction. No, but God had a way of letting him know that wasn't such a good idea. Some stormy weather, getting put in a very dark, cramped, wet place. It said after three days, he asked for help. I imagine the digestive juices started to burn his skin. I thought, you know, Jonah must have been pretty stubborn. Three days before he asked for help? I mean, that's some stubborn. I mean, I probably would have asked for help the moment I became aware of my situation. (laughs) But he was persuaded to uh, give God's invitation a second chance. And so he went to Nineveh, and he preached the shortest revival message in the history of revivals. (laughs) He said, 40 days and Nineveh is done. That was it. That's all he said. But because God was at work behind the scenes, the whole city repented of their ways, including the king. And revival came to that place. The point of sharing the story of Jonah is, in order to join God in what he's doing in different groups, we have to make sure we're not judging different groups. And I'm not just talking about ethnicities. It could be a gender. It could be a special interest group. It could be a political group. And what I have found is the more I'm free from judgment, the more I'm free to be able to minister to people of that group. The more you're free from any kind of judgment, you can hear from God for that person of a different group and be a part of what God wants to do in their lives. The degree to which we are free from judging others is the degree to which we can hear God for them and join what Jesus is doing with them. Now, some of you may have questions about whether God could ever really use you in a significant way. And I suppose we all wonder that from time to time. There was once an old donkey that decided to go somewhere deserted to spend its last days. It found a suitable place, laid down and died after a few days. God looked down at the donkey and said, I can't use this donkey. Along came the vultures and the foxes, and picking off chunks of flesh, it was a sorry sight. God looked down at the donkey and said, I still can't use this donkey. Then the ants and other critters of the wilderness came and cleared up what the vultures and foxes had left behind, and the donkey was just a skeleton, but God still couldn't use it. Days and weeks passed. The burning sun scorched the bones of the donkey till they were totally dry and white. God looked down at what was left of the donkey and said, Now I can use the donkey. 
Then along came Samson with his seven locks of hair dancing in the wind. The man looked around for a weapon to wield against his enemies and found just an old, dried-up jawbone of a donkey. And with the seemingly useless and worthless jawbone, he slew a thousand men in Judges 15. My friend, God uses what the world considers useless and past its shelf life to accomplish amazing feats. And that's just his style. So, if people have written you off, called you useless, or treated you as insignificant, then get ready. God can and is about to use you to do the impossible. He'll transform and empower you to do what you and your critics never dreamed possible. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27, God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Imagine what will happen when we join God, when we sense what God is doing and join his work. Imagine what will happen when we run to what God is doing. Imagine the open doors. Imagine supernatural appointments. Imagine your obedience causing people to know that God is real. Imagine someone in need waiting on the other side of your obedience. Imagine what will happen in your homes, in our schools, at work, or in our neighborhoods. Imagine what will happen on our island. Following Jesus will lead you into experiences you never dreamed of. You will be with Jesus as he weeps over those trapped in sin. You'll feel the pain that he feels. You'll see those who are spiritually blind experience the joy of coming to see God for the very first time. You'll see lives that were broken made whole. And you'll see marriages restored. And you will see those in bondage released and those who mourn comforted. Out of the kingdom of God, I'm sorry, out of the kingdom of man, God is developing a kingdom for himself. And he has chosen to involve you in the process. Out of the kingdom of man, God is developing a kingdom for himself. And he's chosen you to participate. You are a critical piece of the puzzle as we all fit in and fit together with what God wants to do on Guam, in Micronesia, and beyond. Amen. As we come to a close, you have noticed a puzzle piece on your chairs. I'd like you to grab one and just hold it in your hand. We can go to the next slide, Grace. You might ask yourself, where do I fit in? And here's the application. Here's the homework. I want you to watch and see where God is at work. And here's how you do that. In John 6, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And in Romans chapter 3, Paul said, No one seeks after God. No one. So what that means is this. If you see anybody who is interested in spiritual things, interested in God, interested in the Bible, wanting to know more about a relationship with him, because of those other two verses, what you're seeing is God at work. Because that will not happen unless God is at work. And the moment you see that, the moment the Lord allows you to see that in somebody else's life, that's your invitation to join him and be a part of what he's doing in that person's life. And I want to encourage you, whatever it is that you're doing, just drop it. Just drop it and go with God and be next to that person and just find out what God is doing and help them take the next step, whatever that is. And everybody 
has a next step. And if the Lord has allowed you to see his work in that person's life, then he knows that you have something to offer that person and he wants to use you. And you have no idea what it is. It could be the color of your skin. It could be your gender. It could be your age. It could be your ethnicity. But for some reason, the Lord is saying, I can use you in this situation. It could be your experience, your faith, a testimony, your prayer, a word of encouragement. But God is saying, I can use you in this situation. Even though you may not know how, God knows. And I want to encourage you to put aside what you're doing and make the major adjustment. And it'll it'll be costly. It won't be easy. Sometimes you'll have to go through a hard time adjusting your situation, your schedule, in order to do that. But it's worth it. And God will take care of it anyway if he's inviting you to adjust your time and your schedule. Amen? It's not just a physical move. It's a spiritual move. And we want to be a part of many spiritual moves that happen, not just today moving furniture and what we do on Sundays over at the new location. We want to be a part of many spiritual moves in your home, at work, in your school. Just as you're going about recreation, God may just put something in your heart and say, adjust here. I have an assignment for you. And imagine what will happen if we're all doing that together. Rowell was talking about the church growing, and that's going to, fruit is going to happen easy. And not because we're working. It's just because we're listening and we're obedient. Amen? Let's stand. Father, thank you for this amazing privilege to have a relationship with you, to hear you, to be a part of what you want to do in the world. Lord, I just just boggles my mind when we think about it. And you've not left us here, God, to figure it out on our own. Lord, you've given us your word. You've given us Jesus as our model, as our example. Father, you've shown us the way. Father, would you empower us not just to know it, but to live it. And so, Father, would you work in and through us to reach out to many, Lord, who need you, who need to experience you. Lord, I thank you for the blessing that when we do, we experience you. And our faith is encouraged and we are strengthened. Lord, and we get to experience just the amazing destiny that you've given us when we respond to your leading. God, thank you. I want to invite us just to keep praying. And if you're here today and you're hearing me talk about a relationship with God and you've never actually made a decision to invite Jesus into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Perhaps God's been at work in your heart and you've been sensing his presence and you're here today because you're responding to him. And if that describes you, I want to invite you to pray with me. And before we pray, I have a little signal, and that is if you would simply look up when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that's something that you would like to do, you've never done it before, go ahead and look up at this time, and then we'll pray in a minute. Okay, yes. Anybody else? Okay. Anybody else? Okay, I see you. Anybody else? Okay. 
All right, let's pray. God, I'm here. God, I'm presenting myself to you today. I want to experience you. And so I'm making a decision to open my heart. And I'm inviting you to come into my life. And I ask that you would show yourself to me. And that you would give me a new start. Father, you know my past. There are things that I'm not proud of. And I ask you to forgive me for the ways I've hurt people, the ways I've hurt myself. And Lord, would you wash away all the guilt and the shame and give me a brand new start in your kingdom. Father, I come under your umbrella, your rule and authority. I invite you into my life as my Savior and Lord. And I ask you to make me the kind of person you want me to be. In Jesus' name.